Med Family is a show about a family journeying through medical school with kids and navigating married life. Tag along to see how we got here and where this journey is taking us. Hello, welcome to another week of our podcast, Med Family. I am Eric Acker with Karen. Hey guys. Uh, so we are back in, <laughs> out of a neurology rotation and into internal medicine, which is very exciting. Uh, <laughs> I mean... Uh, I'm I'm wanting to do internal medicine in general, so this is kind of nice to get back into the flow of what I'm going to spend the next probably three years doing. So that's nice, but it's also nice. Uh, I mean, I I just in general like my partic- this particular preceptor I'm with. It just he's very supportive, he's very encouraging, and that's uh, it's been very nice. <laughs> that's been, and that's not meant to be a read into the neurology. I think we've talked about him enough, and he, he's got his pros and cons, and I think all preceptors have that. You're not always going to get along with every preceptor. You just got to find a way to get along with them. So um, I just seem to get a, lot, a little bit better along with this current preceptor. <laughs> so I am enjoying that quite a bit so far anyway. Um, but with this rotation, you're with... Two other students, two third years? Uh, Yeah, two third year uh, medical students. And then there's a resident that's kind of there occasionally. He's doing uh, dermatology stuff. He's a family medicine resident from the local program. And uh, I'm I'm actually relatively familiar with him because he plays soccer with us. (laughs) I've had him on two other rotations. I don't know how I keep kind of drawing that lucky draw where I keep having him as my the resident I work with. I've l- literally worked with none of the other six residents. Um, so it, it's nice to have, I guess, a familiar face that, you know, he knows me a little bit. I know him a bit. And so we can have conversations and yeah. That was nice. Yeah. It, it's, it's been, it's been nice. Uh, what other rotations did you have him with? I had him when I was in critical care uh, with pulmonology with Dr. Morales. Okay. Um, when I was up in the critical uh, ICU, he was doing a rotation in the ICU. So uh, I got to see, I, I saw him there and he helped me, show me the ropes during the week of ICU. Uh, he was also the, the resident that did the death exam. We had a few patients die and uh, one while we were on shift and he was the one that kind of walked me through how you perform that exam. Um, because in order to declare a patient dead, you have to do a few things. So he walked me through all that, and that was very nice of him to do. It's not exactly a fun thing to do, but it's definitely something you do have to learn. And you do get a little bit of knowledge based off of that information, like how do you check for brainstem death and those sort of things. So uh, definitely was good to learn learn from him. And then I also had him when I was in oh, – I was doing my one-week – I kind of picked up a, a week of cardiology with Dr. Jalad. Oh, okay. And he was also doing a resident. He was, a, he was the resident that week when I was there. So I haven't had him for that week. I had him for critical care. And now I'll have him probably for a couple more weeks here with uh, in internal medicine. So all in all, uh, nice to have familiar faces. One of the third-year medical students is a student that we had 
when we were on the island and he was in my term. He had some immigration issues that caused him to kind of get delayed a little bit. So it's good to see him. Uh, I haven't seen him in a while and he's a, he's a great student. He's very smart. Uh, and so it's just kind of nice to see familiar faces and, and be in a very familiar spot. Um, so we, uh, essentially they set up this rotation so far and I don't know if it's going to change I think when you're in fourth year there's a little bit more expected from you there's a little, you're sometimes a little bit more responsibilities put on fourth year medical students but as of right now my rotation really just consists of going in with the doctor listening to him talk to the patient and then maybe briefly talking to the doctor afterwards or answering some quick questions and then moving on I don't know if in the future he's going to have me see patients on my own or how he's going to proceed, but um, we're, we're going to take that one step by the time. I think I'll have to chat with him and just say, hey, I want to give you, I'm going to take on as much as you want to give me. I, you know, I'm here to, here to learn and do a lot. So give me something, give me something to do. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm not opposed to what I'm currently doing. Shadowing essentially is what I'm currently doing and that's fine, you know, um, but it's good to kind of get your skills out there and, um, and tr try, you know, try a few things, fail a little bit, uh, figure out what works for you, what doesn't work for you, and um, kind of iron out some of those rough edges when it comes to talking to patients. And so that when it comes to your residency, maybe they're not as rough by the time you're uh, an intern. So that's the general goal, I guess. Um, I don't know. But... There was a topic that kind of came up during this rotation. I'm not, this is, again, I'm not trying to drag on any medical students or any, anybody in particular, but it was kind of a, an interesting dynamic where, um, in my, my experiences, when I've had rotations with senior residents or senior medical students, in my opinion, the senior medical students, whoever is the fourth year, uh, if you're a third year medical student, you're on par with all the third years. If you're a fourth year medical student, you are senior to the third years, <laughs> and you, of course, senior to anyone newer than that. Uh, my, my general experience is, and maybe this is just me, uh, wrong thinking, but my general experience is when the group of us, you know, if it's me plus a few third years, if we're sent to talk to a patient, uh, I've always defaulted to the third year has, or the fourth year has precedent. Like the fourth year is the one who will talk to the patient. And my role is to listen, sit back and listen. And then at the end of the conversation, I can chime in and ask some questions. You know, like it's, it's again, like the, when you're with the attending, you listen to what the patient says and what the attending is talking to the patient. You do not interject until the very end. <laughs> and if you have any follow-up questions, and the attending is a little bit more precarious because you don't ever want to try to outshine or upstage your attending in any particular way, especially to a patient. And it's because generally speaking, it, we're not going to be able to, uh, medically speaking, like our attendings tend to know a heck of a lot more than we do. Uh, well, regardless of whether what we think is right or wrong. Um, and so we only really accomplished like, maybe undermining the trust of the patient with the attending. And so generally speaking with the attending, you only ask questions if like you have the opportunity or you're given the opportunity to. Uh, my, my general experience is when I have a fourth year me uh, medical student with me when I was a third year, 
they would take the lead uh, in the patient's room unless it was specifically said, you are going to take the lead on this patient. Like, and that was his kind of the role I've always been kind of accustomed to is whoever's most senior takes the lead unless you're told otherwise. And was that something that was kind of an unwritten rule or was that something that was verbalized to you towards the beginning or just kind of something you fell into? Because I, I feel like during residency, this is going to be something that does show up where you will defer to the people that are above you. And so maybe it's just kind of a get used to it now kind of thing. Or it, was it something that like in one of your first rotations, you <coughs> you were thinking or you were told this. And so this is how you've acted throughout the rest of them. <laughs> I think honestly, no one has ever told me one way or another. Um, I think when I started... It was always, I always kind of just walked into a rotation assuming I don't know very much. I know a little bit. I know some of the basic basic sciences, you know, and sometimes when I would get into a field, I had a little bit more experience it and sure I would feel more comfortable. But generally speaking, the fourth year, I've always seen it as they know more, they've had more experience. You learn from whoever's above you. You learn, you, you learn from the people who have had the most experience and you learn, you learn by watching and listening. And it's also kind of, a, uh, in my opinion, it's kind of a level of respect. You show people who put in more effort and more time than you have. And so I guess I would say, no, I don't think anyone has ever told me, hey, if you're ever on a rotation with a fourth year, you defer to the fourth year. It's always been something that I think has been an unwritten rule. And maybe that's just something I've developed in my head. And uh, there's also I don't know this is this is kind of how it, I think the culture of medicine translates. Like, if you're ever on a rotation with a resident as a medical student, especially in a program that you might consider going to, well, you want to impress the resident, and you you want to uh, be on the good side of the resident as well. Like personally and professionally, you want the resident to like you, and so you don't accomplish them liking you by upstaging them. You don't accomplish them liking you by talking over them or interrupting them when they're trying to talk to a patient. Um, so generally speaking, you impress them by being a team player. And that's maybe good or bad. That, that is, I think, a part of the culture of medicine is that that's the pecking order. Like if you're a med student and you're in the room with a resident, you defer to the resident on everything. <laughs> Unless there's a very good reason to not to, not to defer Listen to the resident, and then if you have an objection, talk to them privately afterwards and try to figure out where your thinking might be wrong or where their thinking is, and so you can all get on the same page. The resident's not perfect, but generally speaking, the resident is, you know, much further along than you. They've finished, they finished med school, they've graduated, they might have even passed step three. So, like, they, and they, they certainly have a, hours and hours of experience beyond what we have as medical students. Yeah. Um, and then I'll take that a step further. Like when you're on, when I was on rotations and away rotations, that was a big point. I think in the residency, one of the residency programs I rotated that where if you disrespected the senior residents, that was a big no no. That's something you should not have done. Um, 
And so there were, I don't remember the exact situation that happened, but I remember there being some talk amongst residents about someone disrespecting their senior resident, and that was a big thing that you didn't do because the senior residents are senior to you. And then on top of that, when we would do rounds, um, the attending would actually have the senior resident run the rounds. So the interns would present to the attending and talk about the plan and figure out a, the plan and whatnot. But when we would go in to talk to the patient, the senior resident generally ran the conversation. And it was only like on rare occasions where the attending would be like, hey, why don't you look at the intern? Why don't you talk to the patient and t you know talk to them and tell them what's going on, what our plan is. But generally speaking, it was always the senior resident be like, hey, Mr. Smith, we are, you know, well, this is the resident team. This is your medical team. We're going to do this, this, and this for you. This is our plan. Do you have any questions? Answer the questions and then leave. And the interns were still putting in all the orders. The interns were still, you still have to interview the patient. You still have to get a good history and talk to the patient. But generally speaking, the senior resident, whether that's a second year or third year, ran the room unless the attending wanted to or unless the attending said otherwise and then the interns kept their mouth shut <laughs> well it's just kind of a it is kind of a funny um conversation to have especially when we've just got we've gotten through the interviews for for residency and like some of the questions that were we've asked or whatnot is like whether or not you get an opportunity to do procedures or whatnot and what's the like competition for those and so it is interesting kind of because even in residency like you want to kind of pick a program where you have an opportunity every single year that you are in residency not yeah. just your senior years or whatnot yeah yeah so for sure. it is it is just kind of an interesting dynamic yeah, and back when we were, I don't know, for a while I was thinking about general surgery. And I had talked to um, a Trinity graduate who had gone to general surgery, and I was asking her about her program. She had a lot of great things to say about the program. She called it a lifestyle program uh, and a few other things. But one of her biggest complaints was that in surgical specialties, sometimes they have quotas for how many procedures and what types of procedures they had to do before they would be able to graduate. And what would happen to her oftentimes is that a senior resident would swoop in and take one of her procedures. Like she had a patient that was assigned to her, let's say, carpal tunnel or something like that. Well, a senior resident, you know, a third, fourth, or fifth year would look and go, oh, there was a carpal tunnel surgery booked with one of our residents tomorrow. Guess who's going to be doing that carpal tunnel surgery? The third, fourth, or fifth year resident, not the, the first year resident. And so uh, that was certainly the, the culture of that program, whereas the senior residents can swoop in and take, take your, your cases, and that means you don't get to do surgery. That means you, you could scrub into the surgery and stand there, but you wouldn't be actually doing it. So... Uh, plus or minus there on the on the seniority aspect of residency, but that's kind of I think Karen's point as well. Well spoken, where like you want to be in a program where uh, if you want to do procedures like intubations, IJs, anything like that, that you have the opportunity to, and you don't have to fight off the emergency room residents, or you don't have to fight off everybody along the way 
to get the opportunity to if you want to. I mean, not everyone wants to do these procedures. Um, anyway, bringing this kind of full circle, I was just, um, I had just had an incident, incident like this week. It wasn't like a bad incident or anything. It was just an occasion where we went into a room and one of the third years was just talking. And like, you know, even after I had done the introductions, they just kind of took over. <laughs> it wasn't like I was hesitating or anything like that. It was just, I took a breath. And so uh, someone just took over the entire conversation. And, you know, I thought about it. I kind of thought about this etiquette thing. Like, is this, you know, is this the right etiquette? And, you know, honestly, I, I thought about it a lot. And like, should I be offended? Should I tell this person to clam up? <laughs> you know, there's someone more senior than you in the room. Uh, that sounds really conceited, you know, considering I know like my fourth year, like sure, I have a little bit more experience, but like, do I really know a whole lot? Like, yeah, not, not that much more. Like, <laughs> like, I don't know. Um, and at the same time, it's like, I know what I know. The patient, I think, could see the, the, the order of, of medical students. Like I think we, when we did the introductions, I introduced myself as the fourth year resident, uh, fourth year medical student and they were the third years. And so like the patient knew who was senior. It's like, who, who cares? I mean, really <laughs> like we're med students. We're not really altering this patient's outcome. It's because ultimately our attending is going to walk back in that room and decide what he wants to do not really based off of anything that we tell them. Uh, so <laughs> realistically, does it matter? No, uh, not at all. And that, that's kind of the conclusion I came to is like it, in this particular case, it doesn't matter. But I think it's just worth something if you're going into these rotations and you do have these situations to really maybe consider, like if you're walking into a room with your senior, like your fourth year, to maybe consider like, hey, maybe talking to them beforehand and try to figure out who's going to talk first. Because... And even even as whether whether or not years, you know, a third year versus a fourth year matters, it's, it still matters, I think, in organization. You don't really want to run a patient interview with three people all asking questions at their own pace at, at random intervals because it's very confusing. Yeah. Oh, I think that's how you guys did it when you were in your psych rotation is you would... I'm I'm taking this room. I'll ask all the questions. If you think I forgot something at the end, you you follow through. Yeah, I'll invite you to ask questions at the end. Please ask. Yeah, and then you'd switch it up depending on what room or what patient or whatnot. So I I think you can get it in a good flow. It might just be more of a when you're working with multiple students at once, just having a conversation of this is this is how we're gonna rotate or yeah. whatnot versus. <laughs> In all fairness, in my neurology rotation, that was, I mean, every rotation I've had that's been relatively the standard, um, no, it's never ever been like a rapid fire. Everyone asked the questions. So this was a very weird break in like how it typically goes for me. Um, in neurology, the, the neurologist definitely said, like, hey, when you guys interview new patients, one of you is in charge. One of you is asking the questions. The other two stand behind them and shut up. And when they're done asking questions, they can turn to you and say, do you have any other questions you would like to ask? And then that's when you can ask your questions. And that worked out actually pretty well. And again, that's been pretty much the standard <laughs> through most of my rotations. So 
Now, with the, just out of curiosity, um, how far into third year are they? Is like this their first rotation or you is know, this their middle rotation? Because I, I feel like you learn things along the way as you do more rotations. And I feel like even you had that where when you first showed up, I mean, you had a very relaxed first rotation, I would think. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were three of you. So, um, uh, these these particular students, so I mean, they're at, one of them. I think is in his first. No, he's in. I don't know. So first or second rotation. The other one's in like his third or fourth rotation. So oh, okay. I I don't know. They've had a few under their belt, and it's it's a learning curve. And sometimes the you know third year you're really excited, especially if you maybe hit a topic that you're really excited about. And uh, anyway, so some, sometimes people just get ahead of themselves, and I think that's one aspect is just like if you're a third year, just consider trying to organize before going into a patient's room, who's leading the interview, who's going to be talking, and then, you know, how do we proceed from there? Because that way we don't have conflicting information. We don't have the patient answering multiple different questions. You're not trying to figure out, like, because usually how we ask questions, you're, you're trying to paint a picture of what's going on. And it's really hard to paint a picture if someone else is, like, counting down from you know you, you're painting you're filling in the, the 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 boxes by numbers and someone's counting down you know by fives and you're going from one to three like it's really hard to figure out what's going on if you're constantly getting like derailed so as a third year consider that um as a fourth year <laughs> consider cutting the third year some slack <laughs> you know because like it really doesn't matter i mean ultimately like is this going to destroy the patient like your patient's going to be harmed by a third year who's really excited and jumps in jumps in and interrupts nah let them do it maybe maybe coach them you know a little bit and be like hey i'm glad you're excited but like hey when we go into these rooms we got to have like a system here otherwise we're going to be tripping over each other and we got to look like we're professionals and you can have that quick conversation it's not really about you know oh well, i'm the fourth year so you need to shut up when i'm around like they they need their experiences too. They need to be able to, to learn. So, just something I kind of ran across, and I, I felt like it might be worth talking about. I don't know. Yeah. Um, what else we got going on? We have uh, we finally we we've been reaching out to some of our our programs our, on our list and trying to get a second look at some of them, and we finally got some responses back. Well, not finally. finally. Well, I mean, <laughs> it, I mean, these things take time. You send you put the. You send the messages out there, and you, they have to figure out if they have time to do second looks, or they have time to accommodate you, or if they are actually doing it. Because some programs don't do it; they don't want it want it to interfere with their ranking system. Because it's not always fair that well, some students can can travel to see you, and other students can't afford to do it. So some are, you know, is that if that's going to affect the ranking, then it's like maybe an unfair advantage to some students or something like that. Anyway, that's. So some programs won't do a second look, and some programs will. And so I, and I know I said finally, as if I'm, we're impatient, but I, you know, we send we send out the record, you know, the the inquiry, like, hey, we're interested in the program. We'd like to learn a little bit more about it. Come and visit, and so we can make a really informed decision. And uh, then we wait for a response. And so we got we got a uh, response. So yeah, I think we sent out two. We got one one back, and that was only like a week. Yeah, it wasn't too, 
wasn't too bad. Um, um, but um, so we'll be taking a trip next week. <laughs> yeah, we will be driving to. Um, yeah, we'll be driving over to the program and spending a, a day out there, trying to figure out um, all the you know filling all the question marks we have and see if where we tentatively have ranked them is where they stay or if they move up or down or whatever. Like, yeah. that's, I mean, that's the whole process of these second looks is that the program, you hopefully put your best foot forward. To, the programs know that you're interested and they get a, another kind of a look at you and maybe they bump you up their ranked list a little bit. Um, and then on the flip side, we we have to make the decisions as well. So we're trying to figure out our rank order. And so... You know, programs that we were we would do our an away at might move up the list, might move down the list. It all depends on like what our experience is, and um, I think this one I I'm pretty I'm relatively excited for this one because it's one of our top ones, and um, Karen uh, is actually going to be able to get to go this time with the kids. So I mean, it's going to be a little bit of a handful with the kids and everything but uh, but I think in this particular case like this is a, a serious move and a lot of there's a lot of question marks around everything when it comes to these residencies uh, like where are you going to live where are you going to raise the kids what are you going to do for three years like there's a lot of questions like where are you going to shop um, and, you know what, what does the place actually look like what's the actual feel for the, the town and the city and so I think it's nice to have Karen there because she provides a little different viewpoint, whereas I might just be very focused on, okay, well, um, how do I get to work? <laughs> and how, what does the hospital look like? And what, how is everything organized? Great, great, great. Check, check, check. Well, I'm going to I'm basically gonna spend most of my life in the hospital, so that's all I care about. But, um, you know, where we live is a, an important factor, and what the kids get to do is an important factor. So Yeah, well, I, it was really funny because Eric was... Uh, I guess he had looked looked up the pettiest reasons people have ranked programs where they've ranked, and like one of them was the closest, how close they were to like a Costco or something like oh, that. Oh yeah, like, yeah. There was, there was a Reddit forum for like what's the pettiest <laughs> ranking criteria you have, <laughs> which is funny because then I was like, hmm, maybe I should look up how close any of these programs that are in our top three are to a Costco. In all fairness, some of the criteria were fairly valid. Like, some of them were like, hey, the cafeteria, you know, clo doesn't close at 3 p.m. You know, if I'm doing a long surgery that day, I want to be able to go to the cafeteria and that sort of thing. Um, so some of that stuff's not petty. Uh, some of the petty ones are like, what scrub color they tend to wear. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, that's... That's kind of petty. Like, <laughs> scrubs are scrubs. They're basically pajamas. And yeah, the, well, yeah, it's unfortunate because I found good deals on your scrubs. Well, I mean, many of our programs that we're applying to don't have a uniform color, so oh, that's I nice. think that's fine. Anyways, um, yeah, we're I'm I'm excited for this. It is kind of Eric says finally we got he's he's already gone to one second look. He got yeah invited to two others one we're gonna have to decline because we already are going three. to well we have three this. three others so two we're gonna do we have we have one that we've done two that we're gonna do one we're gonna have to decline just because we're a like, time conflict um can't be in two places at once yeah um so yeah so um uh, four 
four invites for second looks is not bad. Not bad, yeah. Out of ten interviews, so. And again, not every program is doing uh, the invites and everything like that, so. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Happy, but... happy to have the up. I mean, it's again, it's such a nice. It's, it's stressful because you have to put on your best face and everything's going to be judged, and you know that going in, and so. You just, I don't know, you, I know there's a part of you that's like, well, you gotta be, act like yourself because, you know, it's just like dating. Be yourself <laughs> and the, they'll be fine. And it's be like, yourself, but, but the best version of yourself. The very best version of yourself. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> I don't think that they're gonna be as impressed with like farting and stuff like that or um, not, uh, not the most impressive things. But <laughs> saying stupid things like that, uh, also, also not impressive. <laughs> All right, then. Um, yeah, I'm not, I, I don't, there's not a dinner or anything, so I'm just going to look around the town and kind of get a feel for it. Well, I'm I, not... I think we're, this is a, a, a very different setup for a second look. So I think we're, I, I put a kind of a few feelers out there. I'm sure that they might give us like a, an agenda at some point. So we're kind of play it a little bit by ear. It, it would, it's not a bad idea for you to go and look around, but. I don't know what the agenda is, so we may not want to speak too soon. Yes. <laughs> um, but all that to say that we might be a little bit busy next week. We may not be able to post a podcast since we'll be traveling. That's true. Um, but we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll figure out what we're going to do. And Karen will post on her in, the Instagram at FamilyMD. Um, yeah, I think that's about all... I mean, I have a I have a note here on my thing about my side projects, but I don't I don't really know if I really want to get into it. But, <laughs> but we should just, just keep he got it up. in trouble last week because he got he started his side project in the bedroom. He knew if he came out that I would be like, it's bedtime because you've got to wake up early. So he just started it in the bedroom, knowing that he wasn't going to get caught until I, he had already opened it all up. Karen falls asleep on the couch. That's not my problem. <sighs> Sometimes I feel like I have six children, not five. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. Your face says you do. <laughs> Either way, that I was working on the side project. It didn't I think I had a defective part that I was replacing. I replaced the defective part with a defective part, and then I got frustrated that it wasn't working as intended. And I took off the defective part, but I haven't tested it. And then I plugged everything in to see if I can figure out if there was a short somewhere. But that was the wrong thing to do. Uh, and I exploded a different part. <laughs> which <laughs> so, came in the mail today. Yes. So he's wanting to finish this up so he can well, start it again tonight. Which I'm is trying to be responsible. Happening. It's 10 o'clock right now. I don't think I'm going to have time to get into it. Not feeling particularly motivated to get into it, <laughs> so I will probably defer it till tomorrow, yes. because I've heard promises that tomorrow might be a short day. So oh. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Well, it was funny because I was—he's getting into fixing things and being like, "I'm going to turn this around for a profit," and I saw a. If the IRS is listening, no such thing is happening. <laughs> <laughs> There's certainly no cash exchanging hands for profits. This is a hobby that currently makes zero dollars. And that's actually true right now. It is actually true. We're in the hole. Um, <laughs> but I was, I got excited the other night because I was looking on Facebook Marketplace. I was like, oh, it's a deep freeze. It's only three years old and it has... Uh, it just stopped 
stop go- getting cold. Getting cold, just like uh, ours we had, did. We had that happen to ours, and Karen sends it to me. It's like, you can turn around for turn this around for a profit. Like, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I was just like, I don't want to drive an hour to I'm, go get it. <laughs> I'm, what I'm really honestly worried about is, like, we're going to start accumulating so much crap. I know. And that's going to, like, pile into our yard, and we will really have, like, embrace the rural, <laughs> <laughs> the rural lifestyle. <laughs> um, and I say it like that because, like, there was a sports med doc I worked with that, was very rural, and her husband collected. Well, he he helped. He did like um, teaching people how to fix cars. Oh. And he would basically teach people how to fix a car up that was donated to them. You know, as a way to you know teach poor uh, unemployed or people how you know to a trade essentially. And then he would fix up this car and go, "Ooh, I kind of like this car," and then he would buy it. And then it would end up in her yard. <laughs> and so he had like this little fleet of cars. Some of them did not work. And she was just like, oh my gosh, I have like all these cars in my house. And I'm like, I'm becoming like this hillbilly. Uh, she doesn't want to talk. <laughs> she owned horses. Oh my gosh, yeah. Well, the yeah. epitome of... Horses are a money suck too. Money but suck. No, the <laughs> ha- ha- haters don't uh, send your responses to Karen at uh, <laughs> <Bed> Family MD. <laughs> What's your hot take on dogs, Karen? <laughs> Love them. <laughs> okay. We're never buying a horse ever. Never, no, never. No, they're, they're expensive. They just suck all your time and money away. Uh, we probably won't be buying a dog anytime soon either. <laughs> I like horses. I just wouldn't ever no. buy one. The kids are never going to meet a horse. I'm just kidding. We're never going to buy a horse. We can say no to that 100% of the time. Yeah, anytime our daughter is doing something ridiculous, Eric threatens, and I, I really hate it. But he's I don't like, threaten. I, I, I say, you're never going to get a horse now. Like, you're not, yeah. I'm never going to buy you a pony. And, like, it's, like it's she true. I'm not, not going to do it. <laughs> it's a straight-up honest truth. I'm never going to buy them a pony. But he's planting the seed. Planting the seed. It's oh. just like the last time when he was like, "Would you guys rather have a dog or a cat?" Oh my god! And then I for like the next week and a half, I regret. Did you bring home a dog? <laughs> <laughs> and I had constant questions. I'm just like, no, no. There are moments in like parenthood that they don't <laughs> teach you about where you instantly regret something that you've done. Like, as soon as I said it, I was like, I know this was a problem. I shouldn't have said this. Like, it's like, in, in these little kids' minds, they're like, they can't think abstractly, like, would you rather have a chinchilla or a ferret? And, like, they don't <laughs> think, neither. like, abstractly, hmm, which one would I rather have? But I'm not actually ever going to get it. No, they're like... Well, I would love to have that, and we're going to get that, right? Like, that seems the only reason why you would ever bring it up, is that I'm going to get it, and they haven't learned that yet. (laughs) No. No. Yeah, that was... Karen was mad at me for a little bit. (laughs) Then I got glares. His like, face like the, yesterday. For the first night that he came home and they're like, did you bring me a puppy? This <laughs> was like, what? <laughs> was I supposed to? <laughs> um, like, I don't know. I keep getting, I get these looks from Karen. Like the other night, I she's been struggling to get the baby down. And like she, she was rocking her. And I just walked up and gave the baby a big kiss. 
And the baby's <laughs> eyes popped open. And Karen just looks at me like, you did what? <laughs> How dare you love on our daughter? <laughs> <laughs> I just got her to sleep and you just woke her up. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to go to Lowe's. So, <laughs> bye. Let me go buy you something. <laughs> what do you want? What do you want exactly? You want a five-gallon uh, bucket with a with a food-safe lid? Sure, sure, sure. I'll go to three stores for you. No, pro- no problem. Anyway. Oh, goodness. Um, so that's, yeah. The, we have, we have a, a side project I'm working on. I'm trying to at least turn a profit. At this moment, Karen. He's not actually doing this for a business. He's doing this because he enjoys doing I it. I enjoy doing it, and it's nice to do. And I might be able to, I don't know. It seems like it's not that hard to do. And so maybe I can sell a few things on eBay, make a small amount of money that will hopefully offset some of our future cost. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. It's, a, it's just a fun thing that I'm doing right now. Yeah. Anyways, all that to say... We hope you guys are having a good week. <laughs> we will post uh, whether or not we will be able to record something for next week. And we hope that this was somewhat helpful. If you have any ideas of what you would like to listen to or any questions, shoot them our way. And we will... Yeah, uh, listen. you can subscribe to our podcast on any of the major podcasting platforms. And yeah. And send the questions to Karen's Instagram, MedFamilyMD. And we will talk to you, if not next week, the week after. See ya.